Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Thirteen months and three days ago, my father and I lost the person we loved the most in this world. We would no longer be able to hug her, laugh together, and just be in her joyful presence anymore. My mother, Kanaka, a vibrant, cheerful, affectionate woman who loved Jesus, experienced so much pain and suffering in the last year and a half of her life, but she decided to end it. Despite our best efforts to battle a hideous, amorphous illness through doctors, prayer, and more prayer, the pain got too much for her to bear. When I heard the news, I was so shocked that neither tears nor words came in response. My darling, beautiful mummy was gone, and she had ended her own life. We felt hurt and abandoned by God. How could he let this happen? If he is sovereign, why didn't he heal her? God didn't answer any of these questions. We received no explanation from him for why her life ended this way. But Jesus found me there. In the 13 months to follow, as I cried out to God, he met me in my grief. In the times when I got angry with him, in the times when I felt cynical, when I didn't feel like praising him, God never abandoned me. Rather, he lovingly and tenderly nursed my soul back to health in a way I can only describe as miraculous. Through his word and through his presence, he reminded me over and over again that he will never abandon us. He is love. And he understands because he experienced that same pain and he did it for us. So while God didn't heal my mother as I wanted, what he did do is heal me and my father. And how do I know this? My dad and I just spent the first year of my mom's passing in peace and contentment, celebrating her and grateful for the time we had together. So to borrow, David, uh, so to borrow the words from Psalm 73, once I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. But Jesus didn't let go of me, and today, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart, and he is mine forever. My name is Sonal Adab, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. The passage for today is from 1 John chapter 2, and I'll be reading it in Hindi. Yadi hum uski agyao ko manenge, उससे हम जान लेंगे कि हम उसे जान गए हैं जो कोई यह कहता है कि मैं उसे जान गया हूं और उसकी आज्ञाओं को नहीं मानता वह झूठा है और उसमें सत्य नहीं 
और जो कोई उसके वचन पर चले उसमें सचमुच परमेश्वर का प्रेम सिद्ध हुआ है हमें इसी से मालूम होता है कि हम उसमें हैं और जो कोई यह कहता है कि मैं उसमें बना रहता हूँ उसे चाहिए कि आप भी वैसे ही चले जैसे वह चलता है दिस इज द वर्ड ऑफ द लॉर्ड Thanks so now. Well done. If you uh if if you're wondering why Sonal read in Hindi, if you're visiting with us, we are an international congregation and we like to celebrate that. And so once a month or or thereabout, we will sing a song in a different language or we'll have scripture read in a different language and and so um I understood every word she was saying. Uh we we've been doing something for the last 5 weeks that that i think has been um energizing for a lot of us we we begin this time by getting into small conversation groups and and answering a question and then later in the in the message we'll we'll get back into those groups and and talk about some things some more and so What I'd like for you to do this morning is I'd like for you to get in groups of 3 or 4, no more than 4, no less than 3. 3 or 4. <laughs> is not a group. 2 is not a group. Um 3 or 4 folks. And here's what I'd like for you to uh do. I'd like for you to introduce yourself. You may have already done that earlier. But then I want you to share this one thing. What is one crazy thing that you've done that was motivated by love? Okay? For a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, husband, wife, mother, father, or sibling, one thing that you've done that you wouldn't have otherwise done except that it was motivated by love. All right? You got the question? You have 2 minutes. So that's about 30 seconds each. turn in and talk you can, you can carry on those conversations later okay without without saying the story how many of you heard something interesting okay many of you are going now my group was born uh, we're in this series called mission possible where we have been looking at the mission that Jesus gave to his church and not just this church but his church so that every congregation every community of faith that names the name of Jesus was given the same mission and that is to make disciples and so we have that mission too but every congregation or or local church there there's different ways that they go about that. And so our mission statement specific to Trinity is that we are uh Trinity is an international, we celebrated that this morning, an international and multi-generational community dedicated to making disciples. That's the core. Making disciples of Jesus Christ who are growing in faith, obedience and joy as we go out to advance God's kingdom. So the core is making disciples of Jesus. but then there are these five spokes that radiate from that that mission community faith 
obedience, joy, and and, uh, going out. And so two weeks ago, James talked about community. Last week, um, I talked about faith. This morning, we're on obedience. And everyone says, dang, I did. Sorry, I came to church today. What I want us to do this morning is talk about obedience. A uh, few months ago, two months ago, I was having a conversation with a, a very good friend of mine. We disagree on a lot of stuff. We disagree on things political, things theological, but we both really want to live for Jesus. And so we're having this conversation, and it was, you know, around some election stuff, and it was around some other things. And, and at one point in the conversation, because I'd been reading a lot for this series, I, I said, what if Jesus really meant all the stuff he said? Good question, right? What if Jesus really meant what he said when he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? What if he really meant it when he said that we are to do to others as we want them to do for us? What if he really meant it when he said, if somebody's got something against you or you've got something against somebody else, you need to leave your time of worship and you need to go and reconcile with that person and then come back. What if he really meant that? What if he really meant it when he said, I want you to not store up treasure on this earth and accumulate stuff here, but I want you to give generously and in so doing, you can store up treasure in heaven. What if he meant that? What if he really meant it when he said, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples? What if Jesus really meant all that stuff? What if we took Jesus seriously about what he said? Would our lives look different? Would our church look different? Three weeks ago, we talked about being an apprentice of Jesus because that's what a disciple is, someone who, who takes on the lifestyle of his or her teacher. And in the text that Sonal read for us just a few moments ago, the Apostle John says, we know that we have come to know him if we, what? Keep his commands, obey him. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You know, we do a weird thing in church. We'll take verses and memorize them, but we won't actually do them. Right? Remember as a kid when you played follow the leader? Kids don't do that anymore because there's no app for it. But remember when you played follow the leader? You know, the leader would jump up and down and you'd jump up and down or the leader would flap their arms and you'd flap your arms. Somehow in the church, we have changed follow Jesus and we've made it different from follow the leader. Somehow in church, when, 
when you know we're going to follow Jesus rather than actually doing what he did, we just memorize it. Did you ever play Simon Says growing up? Simon Says, pat your head. Simon Says, rub your belly. And so you'd pat your head and you'd rub your belly. For some reason, Jesus Says is different. Jesus Says, pat your head, and we just memorize it. Jesus Says, go into all the world and make disciples. We got that one memorized, but are we doing it? I wonder if if that would work parents with your kids. Would that fly? You know, if I went to my son, Benjamin, and I said, hey, Benjamin, your room is a mess. Clean it up. Which, by the way, is not hypothetical. I actually said that to him many, many times over the years. What if 30 minutes later, Benjamin came back to me and he said, hey, dad, check this out. I've got it memorized. Benjamin, your room is a mess. Clean it up. (laughs) Nailed it. In fact, Dad, I even looked up some of the words in the Greek. And so I really understand what you're talking about. Some of my buddies are coming over and we're going to do a study on how to clean my room. A five-week study. Parents, would that fly with you? Why do we think it will fly with God? God didn't give us his commands so that we would memorize them and look them up in the Greek and, you know, do a study on it. He gave us his commands so that we would do them. Discipleship is not merely a matter of information remembered. It's to be like Jesus. Anyone who claims to live in him must be like him. You see, discipleship is a lifestyle that looks like Jesus, where we're loving God and loving others because the more we love God, the more we do his commands, and the more we do his commands, the more loving we are to other people. In his book, Crazy Love, Francis Chan says, taking the words of Christ literally and seriously is rarely considered. That's for radicals who are unbalanced and who go overboard. He says, lukewarm people are moved by stories about people who do radical things for Christ, yet they don't do them. They assume that such action is for extreme Christians, not average ones. Lukewarm people call radical what Jesus expected of all of his followers. The 19th century philosopher Soren Kierkegaard wrote this, The matter is quite simple. The Bible really is easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. I love that. We're a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend to be able to understand it because we we pretend to be unable to understand it because we know that the moment we understand, we are obligated to act accordingly. 
Take any words in the New Testament and forget everything except pledging yourself to act accordingly. My God, you will say, if I do that, my whole life will be ruined. (laughs) Now, some of you might be thinking, Keith, it sounds like you're going all legalistic on us. Got to do this, got to do that. Obedience isn't about legalism. Obedience is about relationship. Obedience is about love. There's a a text in John chapter 14, which is part of the upper room discourse. John chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16. Jesus is, he's having his last meal, his last supper with his disciples, 11 of his dearest friends. And they're gathered in this upper room, hence the name Upper Room Discourse. And Jesus uh, is, he's just about to go to the cross. This is hours before he would die for these men. And over this meal, Jesus models his love for them as he washes their feet. And he, and he tells them about what life is going to look like after he's gone. And how the Holy Spirit is going to come and the Holy Spirit is going to comfort them and guide them and empower them and live in them. And he gives them this great promise of the presence of God in their lives. It's some of the most marvelous theology in our Bible. And they're some of the most comforting words given by Jesus to these these guys he dearly loves who he was about to die for. So in that context, this context of intimate relationship with his buddies, guys who have been walking with Jesus for three years, guys that he's literally going to give everything for, he says these words in John 14. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live you also will live. On that day you will realize That I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the other Judas, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. See, this is not about some legalistic keeping of commands. This is about love. We know from the Apostle Paul in Romans 5 eight that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God doesn't wait for us to love him before he loves us. 
he loves us first, which is what John says in 1 John 4.19. He says, we love because he first loved us. You see, God's love precedes and enables our love. It's former, it's prior. His love enables our love. And then when we love him back, he responds to that love with this this unique, personal, intimate, affectionate, caring, committed love that belongs only to those who love the Son. But what does it mean to love Jesus? Well, Jesus tells us four times that this love is is, is of such a nature that it results in obedience. What we have to understand, though, is that loving Jesus is not the same as obeying Jesus. Rather, loving Jesus comes before obeying Jesus. Loving Jesus and obeying Jesus are not the same thing. Loving Jesus leads to obeying Jesus. Verse 15 says, If you love me, the result will be that you will Obey what I command. Verse 23 says, If anyone loves me, the result will be that he will obey my teaching. So what what is this love for Jesus that gives rise to being obedient to Jesus? Well, we love Jesus. Why? Because he's absolutely lovable. There is no defect in him. There is no demerit in him. We do not love Jesus in spite of who he is, right? We love him for all of who he is. We desire him because he is infinitely desirable. We admire him because he is infinitely admirable. We treasure him because he's infinitely valuable. We enjoy him because he is infinitely enjoyable. Our love for him is a reflex action to who we know him to be. See, loving Jesus is not a matter of doing excellent things. It's a matter of delighting in an excellent Savior. Because when you delight in an excellent Savior, you will then do excellent things. If anyone loves me, he will then Keep my commands. Now, to make sure we're on the right track, here's how John used the word love a couple other places in his gospel. In John 3.19, he says, People loved the darkness rather than the light. What John is saying is that darkness is what they wanted. They didn't, they didn't love the darkness because they were obligated to want the darkness. They craved the darkness. They longed for the darkness. They loved the darkness rather than the light. In uh, chapter 12, verse 43, he says, they loved the glory of man more than the glory of God. They wanted that. They wanted to hear praise from men more than praise from God. That's what they craved. That's what they longed. They loved that. So when Jesus says, if you love me, He's saying, if you crave me, if you long for me, if you desire me, then what will you do? You'll keep my commands. 
you'll obey what I'm, my teaching. Some of you have heard me use this illustration before, but um, I was a liberal arts major in college. And uh, as a liberal artist, um, <laughs> in order to graduate with a liberal arts degree, I had to have four semesters of a foreign language. And I chose French. Not because I was all that inclined toward French. I just chose it. Well, because I didn't love the French language, I put it off, put it off, put it off until the second semester of my senior year. I have one, you know, course in French left to take. Um, Anybody remember your second semester of senior year? Ross is struggling to remember for other reasons. But anyway, you don't want to be in school. You don't want to be studying. You want to be out and about and sitting by the pool and hanging with friends and all that stuff. And to add to all this, I was engaged to be married to my beautiful wife, our fiance. And so the last thing I wanted to do was to be parsing verbs and conjugating nouns and all the learning vocabulary and stuff. But you know what? I did it because I had to. If I was going to graduate, I had to keep those commands legalistically. But imagine for a moment that if my fiance Deanne, only spoke French... How would that have changed my motivation? I would have been learning every vocabulary word. I would have been, you know, learning how to parse these verbs and conjugate these nouns. Why? Because I wanted to communicate avec mon chéri amour. (laughs) Right? Does that sound legalistic? No, that's obedience motivated by love. It's motivated by the relationship. And that's what Jesus is talking about in John 14. He gives his disciples a promise and he gives us a promise. And he says, if you love me and you're keeping my commands, guess what? The Father's going to be with you forever. The Spirit's going to be with you forever. I'm going to be with you forever. We are going to live in you and you and us. There's going to be this intimate relationship. And by the way, that's the promise that Jesus made to his disciples after he gave them the great commission of go into all the world and make disciples. What did he say? And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So let's go back to where we started with 1 John chapter 2. John says, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. You see, when we love Jesus and we obey Jesus, what happens is that love in us grows and we experience that love relationship more and more and more. Because if my wife only spoke French, the only way that I could deepen that relationship with her is to learn that language. 
And that's what John is talking about. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So here's a question. Would anyone who spent a day with you, would they say that they felt like they were walking with Jesus? Or would they? Jesus was kind and compassionate and non-judgmental and, and forgiving and reconciling and serving. Is that us? Is that me? You know, in this country, you don't have to act like Jesus to be a successful pastor. I'm proof of that. Um, well, if you call me successful. In this country, to be a successful pastor, all you have to do is, is be a pretty good communicator. Uh, pastoral confession. I think that I have had a successful week if at the end of our time on Sunday morning, several of you come to me and say, great sermon. That really spoke to me today. And, and then if we don't yell at each other in our staff meeting, then I know I've knocked it out of the park that week. <laughs> Marlene's on the staff. She's laughing. That's, that's how I often define success. But I need to change my definition. You see, I should define success as if someone someday comes to me and says, Keith, hanging with you felt like hanging out with Jesus. See, that should be my definition of success. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that should be your definition too. If our goal is anything else, then we're missing the mark. I wonder how we got where we have people who call themselves Christians and yet act nothing like Jesus. Scripture says that we know, when we know Him, we will walk like Him, we'll live like Him. Scripture says if we love Him, we'll keep His command. A few minutes ago, you guys shared something that you did that was motivated by love. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get back in your conversation groups. And in a moment, Roy is going to put up four commands of Jesus, just four. And I want you to choose one of them. And I want you to choose the one that is most difficult for you to keep. And I want you to share that and tell people why. And here's why I'm doing this. This is not about, oh, I'm a terrible person. This is, um, this is getting us to wrestle with what if what Jesus, what if Jesus really meant what he said? Okay? So here are the four, here are the four things I want you to, to, to look at. Um, which, are, which is most difficult? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your neighbor with the same commitment you have for yourself. 
and lay up treasure in heaven by giving generously and sacrificially. Turn to each other and which one is most difficult and why? And you've got one minute each. Ready, go. Hopefully, hopefully that's getting you thinking and making you wrestle, or as we would say in Texas, wrestle with, with, uh, with the commands of Christ. Obeying Jesus at the end of the day, though, is not about what you will do. It's about who you love. And when you love Jesus, you want to follow him. You want to be like him. You see, to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower is not about praying some prayer or attending some church. It's not about believing right or even behaving right. It's about having a heart change where you truly love Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. And if you follow him, you will be different. See, obedience is not about legalism. It's about the relationship. It's about love. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are absolutely lovable. And I thank you that you demonstrated your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, you went to the cross. You even asked your father if there was a plan B, but when he said no, you were obedient. Obedient to death on a cross. And because you were, we have opportunity to live this abundant life. Lord, I pray that as we look at you, we will see who we want to be. And we will begin to emulate you in all that we do. Lord, help us change our definition of success. As Beth prayed earlier, it's not about what I I have or do, but it's about who I am in you and how I represent you to others. Lord, if there's someone here this morning who has never met you, who has not decided that they were going to follow you, I pray that they would do that today. Pray that you would show yourself to them in all of your beauty and all your glory and all of your um, amazing love. And I pray that they would choose you even as you have chosen them. For your name's sake we pray. Amen.